Let's Get Two presents Go, Go Astros! Go, Go Astros! A focus on H-Town Hardball. And welcome to Go, Go Astros. And no, we are not talking about uh, the Astros. Nope, let me start that again. I'm so tired. And welcome to Go, Go Astros. And no, we're not talking about Will Smith, Chris Rock, or the Oscars, though. That think it could be fun. Wait, 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 hold on. The Dodgers catcher did something last night? Or was it the Braves reliever? That'd be uh, I think because the, the Dodgers catcher doesn't do much. Right. Uh, by the way, the best meme is Altuve's face on Will Smith's body slapping um, Chris Rock with Aroldis Chapman's body with the couple cowering in the corner from the famous uh, home run shot. Um, we are happy here. Aroldis Chapman is getting slapped rather than the other way around. All is right in the world. Wow. Okay. We are we are off and running. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna play a little therapy for me today, uh, and I think to a degree, Andy, I think there's a gradient here about the topic. And look, um, I understand intellectually and know why the Astros clearly wanted it to be Jeremy Pena. Uh, that's why there was no Trevor Story deal. That's why there was no Correa deal. The thing that I think is bugging me about let's just hand it to a rookie is the sort of full court press the Astros seem to be making about how, no, this dude's going to be badass. Like they're setting a level of expectation and Brian, you're less worried than, than I am. Yeah. And that doesn't mean I'm not worried because Hey, he's a rookie and we have no 2020 season to go on because he didn't get to play in the minors that year. And he played essentially a month and a half last year at AAA, but it was a really good month and a half. And it's been really good numbers. We've seen what he can play in the Dominican uh, Winter League, both in the winter of 2020-2021 and this last offseason. So there's lots of reasons to think that he can be, that Jeremy Pena can be, you know, most projections have him to be a slightly below average uh, hitter. Most uh, weighted runs created plus have him on the various projection systems between 90 and 100, 100 being exactly league average. And, you know, he has a good reputation of being a fielder. It's clearly a downgrade both defensively from the Platinum Gulf winner and offensively from Carlos Correa and from those other options. But this is the team's best or second best prospect. He looks in every bit of his minor league numbers to be ready to come up to the majors. Uh, I'm willing to be patient with him if he has a tough and struggling April, uh, but we'll see how it goes. Andy? I mean, that's going to have to be the key is patience. I, I think what the Astros and players are going to pump up their teammates. That's what they do. You're very rarely going to see teammates. Even with a rookie replacing an all-star going, this guy's going to suck. You guys <laughs> should all buckle in because it's going to be horrible for a while. Um, that's not what Jose Altuve is not going to do. That's not what Bregman's going to do because it behooves them to pump this guy up and make him feel like he belongs because that's what's going to happen this year. Um, I think the Astros, from an organizational standpoint, can stand him in the lineup on a daily basis because his defense is probably major league ready. And we've seen flashes of that in spring training so far. The few few highlights we've gotten to see because we get no feeds from Florida for some random reason. Um, but his defense is going to keep him in the lineup. It's what he can produce offensively that's the question mark. And, and to Brian's point, there's a lot of unknown. He's played 30 games above Class A ball. Uh, 
and those were 30, 30 of those games were really good, but it's still just 30 games. So it's a really small sample size. Uh, right now in Florida, he's had six or eight at bats and he's got three hits, all singles. Uh, doesn't look like he's walked. It's not really his history to take a lot of walks anyway. Um, so, you know, if we got a 750 OPS out of him his first year, I think we'd all be pretty happy with that. Uh, How does it, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But what he's lacking right now, what he hasn't shown right now is any sort of power, which he has shown in his minor league career. So you, you hope that would come, but usually with younger players, that's kind of the last thing to show up. Well, and I do off. Yeah, obviously we are all smart enough to know that he's going to need 200 at bats in the major league level before we begin, we saw it with Bregman. We saw it with Tucker. This is the path that we're, that we're on. Um, now, the one thing though, that does dis- that I'm sort of discouraged back is the fact that Dusty's even considering hitting him leadoff. You remember last year when uh, Miles Straw was hitting leadoff in uh, spring training? Um, yeah, that was weird. Um, he's fast. Brian, he's <laughs> fast. You put the fast guy up front. But you know what they never did in the regular season? That Miles Straw in leadoff. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm less. I'm less sort of a, you know, so I think that's mostly, he's the guy we need to get the most at bats because he's yep. the guy that we need to, he needs to get used to this level of pitching. And, you know, I'm not worried, you know, Dusty's not worried about Michael Brantley getting ready uh, for this season. Um, the more interesting thing about the lineup is because they've been hitting Pena first, they've been hitting all two base second. And that's in Bregman, um, you know, and so what's making me wonder that is, is that opening up for Kyle Tucker leadoff hitter? which would be, I think, an improvement for this team. Well, it, it's interesting from, I guess, Baker's perspective, because if it were me, and I'm not a major league manager, and I know this probably flies in convention, I don't know that I want to group my three worst hitters at seven, eight, nine, because it's just it's just yeah. a block of outs. So realizing that the leadoff batter is kind of an overplayed position because you're only the leadoff batter generally once again, once, right. guarantee, and then it doesn't, it, it very rarely works out that way again. He, he sets the table once, but if he sets the table once and he's not great, cool. You now have your two through five. They're really, really good, two through six. And then you've got seven and eight or eight and nine, depending on how it lines up in a day. At some point, you've got to split those three guys up because Maldonado, whoever's playing center field, looks like McCormick to start the year, and Pena are going to be at best league average hitters and probably less than that, at least in the case of Maldonado and Pena. So... Because as we've learned this weekend, um, Chaz McCormick is a better center fielder than Cody Bellinger. <laughs> um, let me ask you guys this, though. This is sort of off topic, but Brian, you're in Yankee country. Are they getting more spring training games than we are? I mean, did, what are we getting four all year? Yep. This would require me to watch the Yes Network, so <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. I, I think it's bizarre, and I don't know the exact inventory, um, but I think that there are certainly some franchises who use their television contracts or networks as they may be in the yes scenario, and I think um, AT&T Sports Los Angeles or whoever carries the Dodgers, they have that demand and they use that demand, so they have a bulk of their spring training games on uh, available for broadcast. Uh, the Astros, for whatever reason, even in a full spring training, you might get one game a week that's on television. And that's yeah. not, and that's the first three weeks, you're not going to see anything. Um, you get to listen to the dulcet tones on the radio, which are great because Robert Ford's fantastic. But 
uh, it's few and far in between. I, you know, I put all the games on my work calendar, so I know what to schedule things around, you know, meetings. And I only have one that's a one day game that's going to be televised this entire spring training. Yeah, it's disappointing for sure. And, and the more serious answer is because, you know, it's the Yankees run their network and the Mets are owners of their network. And yeah, they like the programming of having that on rather than the alternative, which is broadcasting sports talk radio on TV, which is never well, and, yeah. and I think you get to the, the answer for everything broadcast. If you can't sell advertising, it makes no sense to put it on TV. Somebody call HEB. <laughs> yeah, I just, it would be, person. it would be nice to be able to peek in on the team. And I feel like we've had more availability in previous years and maybe I'm just um, looking at it incorrectly. Uh, let's talk about the center field position though. So what do we expect out of McCormick? I really love your idea, Andy, of maybe actually to spread out some of those weak hitters throughout the lineup. It just, I think the thing that always has me overall worried is it's just not as deep a lineup as it's been in the previous five years. I, you know, I think that it, I, I hate predicting what Dusty's going to do because I, I'd have to guess what Hank Aaron would do if he was a manager. Um, I, I don't like the idea of those three guys hitting together because they're not league average offensive players at this stage in their careers. Um, at some point, it, it feels like you've got to break them up a little bit. I also think that despite the fact that Martin Maldonado is, I know we we're talking about center field, but, but despite the fact Martin Maldonado is probably the leader on the team right now with the exit of Carlos Correa, um, you're going to have to play Jason Castro more than you did last year. And I know he had some injuries that he was working through and everything else, but you've got to get some more offense out of those three spots somehow. Yeah, I, Castro should have played more last year. Like he that was that was and he didn't, and, and that was a lot of Maldonado working through a pitching staff and, and, and massaging that pitching staff through, uh, which, you know, that's another interesting question because Brent Strom is gone. So how much more important is Maldonado's in-game coaching going to be if he was doing that at all? I assume he was. So Castro is going to have to play more. Is he a better defensive player than Maldonado? No, he's not. Not at this stage in his career, certainly. Um, McCormick's probably going to be what McCormick was last year. Uh, he's he's going to have surprising pop. He's going to hit for an okay average, but he's not going to be somebody that you're penciling in as a, a first ballot Hall of Famer or even a pretty good Hall of you know Hall of pretty good kind of guy. So it's I, I think when you see them make a move at some point, it's a lot of it's going to depend on when Jake Myers can come back because they really believe on Jake and Jake Myers. And if he's not back this year, you've got thirty million dollars to go spend and get a center fielder you probably have to package with a starting pitcher at that point, but you can go get you a center fielder for the remainder of the season. And ultimately, if you look back at like the 97 Astros, this was, that was a team that had some good offensive players, but decided the way they were going to win the division was strong defense up the middle. So Pena is a plus defender. Maldonado is a plus defender. You go get you a plus defender who can hit in center field. And I think you're going to be okay. But right now it's different for us as Astros fans because We've had great lineups and great hitters one through seven or eight, depending on the year you're talking about. And now it's one through six or five, depending on the day. Brian. Yeah. And so that's good. Not great. I think Astros are projected to have the seventh best score, the seventh most runs in baseball, uh, according to Fangrass depth chart. So again, that's good, but not some of the great lineups that we've seen. They're also projected seventh fewest runs. So Put that combination together again pretty good team 
Last year, both Jake Myers and Chas McCormick were league average, in fact, slightly above league average hitters in what they did in the major leagues. And taking a quick look at their projections, they're, looked to, they're projected this year to be right about league average hitters. This, again, to Andy's point, isn't what we've been used to seeing, particularly in center field uh, from 2014 to 2020. But it, again, puts, I think, a, the potential for a good floor on the Astros offense, that it's not going to be Martin Maldonado is a pitcher spot uh, playing an offensive position. But if you get league average or close to league average reduction from McCormick, Myers, Pena, um, Ledmus Diaz when he's in, in a shortstop, then that's not a massive hole in the lineup on the bottom side. And I hear Andy's point about not putting the three worst hitters together, but when you do that, you break up the six best hitters. And frankly, if you have an inning where all six of the best hitters get to hit, and they, uh, they get to hit in the first inning, you're probably scoring some runs. And the next three guys take off the second inning, and we come back in the third inning and have the good offense. And again, uh, to me, that's a better way to score runs because you sequence together your best hitters. So Andy and I have obviously known each other a lot longer than Brian and I, but I think one of the things I'm having this feeling of is this feels a lot like Tony Romo at quarterback for me. Let me explain to you why we don't need a high draft pick for a quarterback. Cause we've got this guy that's scrappy and good and boy, he was undrafted and shit like that. And guess what happened? He ended up being um, a, a, a hole at quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just sort of psychologically worried about that. I mean, so baseball's different than mm-hmm. than quarterback because there's so a, this is an emotional response, Brian, not an I intellectual understand. one. <laughs> I understand. So first thing is here, okay, you're not going to put the ball in Jeremy Pena's hands with two minutes left uh, to go down the field uh, to run a quarterback draw. I'm start um, sucking my thumb. Um, so, uh, and it speaks to some of the differences in baseball and football. In baseball. You have a lot of really good players. You're a pretty high floor team. You get superstars. You can add to that. So if the young guys, and look, this is a big if, and you're hearing the if is they're not going to do it. Yeah, that's absolutely part of it. But if the young guys, McCormick, Myers, Pena, can provide you, they're not going to be superstars. They're not going to be all-stars. They're not going to be, you know, but if they can provide you what we got last year from McCormick and Myers, what we think we could get from Jeremy Pena, the rest of the guys can push this offense to a really good level. And I think that's, I think that's why I'm okay. It's not ideal. Would I rather have Correa and Springer in the lineup every day? hundred percent. And that's not a debatable point, but knowing what the actual situation is, you have different tool sets for different players where you depend on the quarterback in your example and your emotional appeal to be the be all end all leader of the team. You don't need your rookie shortstop to be the be all end all leader of the team. Baseball is played differently. And I'm going to really resist breaking into the George Carlin football versus baseball. <laughs> I'm going to go home. Go home. Oh. We're going to the park. But the offense doesn't have, or the defense has the ball in baseball. Offense doesn't. You're relying on Pena's glove for the most part, in which case I think we're okay. Get the other two guys, especially the combination of um, – let's take Maldonado off the table for a second. The combination of Myers, McCormick, whoever's playing center field, I don't need those guys to hit for power. I don't need those guys to be George Springer. I need them and Jeremy Pena to get on base. I don't really care how they do it. If they could bat 
they can have Cody Bellinger like numbers about 165 for the whole year. But if they're getting on base at a 350 clip, that's probably good enough for us to score runs. Could it be better if they start hitting for power or, or, or showing some situational awareness? Absolutely. But you need different things from different players in baseball. And I think it's okay. It's not ideal. Yeah. I think it's still and, better than anything, anything else we're going to face in our division too. Well, that's true. I just really wish they had addressed one of the two positions. And I would like to clarify for the audience. I know the difference between football and baseball. I was going purely off of Jerry Jones being the Astros and saying, don't worry about it, guys. It's not going to be a drop off. That's We're going all home. I'm saying. We're going home. We're going home. Going um, speaking of going home, um, one of the things I wanted to get your take on. So Major League Baseball has announced that they are going to double down on inspecting pitchers for sticky stuff, that it became very clear that pitchers figured out a way around it, despite the fact that I thought there's been no cheating in baseball since 2017. Um, are y'all impressed that Major League Baseball is actually going to continue to work to enforce something they wanted to enforce? Or are you sort of over it? I'm going to tell you that Garrett Cole is not happy. I'm going to tell you that yeah. right now. For Pete's uh, sake. <laughs> And any kind of Kermit voice you want to do, you could put Kermit in here right now. I think for, you know, if you don't want to get sued, maybe not. But, um, just apply an even hand. I don't care if they want to enforce their rules. They, they should enforce their rules probably. But be, be even about it. Um, be even handed about it. Don't, don't scapegoat a team. And, and I say that with, you know, speaking to our audience, we're about to find out what's in the stupid uh, Yankees letter. Um, I think yesterday or the day before we found out that major league baseball had proposed a rule that would allow communication between the pitcher and the catcher electronically. Why would you need to do that? If only one team is stealing signs in the history of baseball and it <sighs> stopped two years ago, unless, Oh, wait a minute. They're not telling us the whole truth. So just figure out what your rules are and enforce them. That's all I care. I don't care anymore about which team did what, who, who did this, who didn't do that. I just, Pick your rules and enforce them. And if one of those is reducing the use of spider tack or eliminating the use of spider tack or Vagisil or jalapeno up the nose, I don't really care. I'll just say it's a lot better that they're announcing it at the beginning of the season rather than the middle yes. of it this year. That seems like a, a new tack that is, uh, I guess, surprising for Major League Baseball. So we won't have to deal with a Fromber Valdez adjustment period of six to seven yeah. games this year. But I, I tell Hopefully you what, that's though, but, I, but this is one rule. I mean, I'm glad they're enforcing it because it is actually the only rule, the only form of cheating that we've discussed on the show that you can't defend against, right? Like if you think the Astros have your signs, how easy, and we saw, that's why we, that's why we all know the scheme actually wasn't very effective because when teams caught on to this, they changed the sign. So I'm, I'm actually um, glad that Major League Baseball is at least showing a little bit of moral integrity. This is Rob Manfred we're talking about here. So we need to find maybe a, a better phrase. Better word like for a, that. Yeah, if it's Manfred's involved, I feel probably a money guy or a lawyer told him he needed to do it. That... Okay. Or Fair. someone added winged foot yes. on the 17th green. Fair. Um, last topic of discussion. Um, has anybody checked in on Brad Lidge? I think you made the joke on Twitter this morning, Brian, about, uh, or no, it wasn't you. It was Michael Schwab made the joke about Brian, Brad Lidge is probably in a bad state, knowing that Albert Pujols has resigned with the Cardinals. He's finally with the team, not in our division. So yeah. I think after, you know, 18 years, I can finally uh, deal with this. 
And there's no chance of us facing the Cardinals unless we both make the World Series. So I'm, I'm good with it. You know that's going to happen. We're going to face them in the World Series. And they're going to walk us off. So the Cardinals have all right. Cardinals have Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright. Uh, if you're a geriatric millennial out there, this is the team for you. This is, this the, is the team marketed right at the 40-year-old American trying to deal with their nostalgia and hold off against it. Of course, at my age, I've completely given up on that. I don't. I don't think it was um, our friend Scott McIntyre who tweeted it, um, but somebody tweeted it that um, Nolan Nolan is pretty upset because they traded for him to play third base, but that Scott Rowland's going to take all his playing time this year. <laughs> if Darren Erstad shows up again, he's catching a dang ball again somewhere. All right. Well, Palmero is safe. It seems actually, like actually the Astros have the Darren Erstad connection right now because Jake Myers, college coach, Absolutely. is oh, a coach yeah, yeah. how to play center field at Nebraska's Darren Erstad, former Nebraska punter, by the way. And and hopefully we'll see Jake Myers back. That is the show for today. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. One more week we'll be closer to the actual. We actually talk about actual baseball, which I'm excited about. Go Strohs. Go Strohs. Romero was safe. <laughs>